Have you ever wondered how things would go if you'd thought about protecting yourself from divorce when you first got married? Not just a prenup, but what if there was a clause in there around what if they don't? Well, that's some of what we're talking about in today's Divorce Etc. podcast. We're the ex-experts, Jessica and TH. We focus on helping you navigate your divorce and successfully move on with your life. Please follow us on all social media at xexperts and check out xexperts.com for tons of free divorce-related resources. Let's bring in today's guest. Welcome to Tracy Malone to our show today. She is a narcissist abuse coach and a divorce coach. And like the two of us, she is a real-life expert. She has stepped in the shoes. She has walked the walk. And so she's coming at this from two sides, which is really why she got into um, coaching really focused on abuse and recovery from abuse post-divorce. So we're really happy to have you here. This is, you know, such an important topic and so many people are stuck and afraid and self-doubting. So we're hoping you can give us some tips that can pay it forward to other people today. So welcome to our show. Thank you so much for having me, ladies. I'm so honored to be here. Thanks for being here. Um, so tell us kind of like right off the bat, your thoughts about protecting yourself when it comes to getting married. I mean, the, the idea of a prenup in and of itself is like such a polarizing concept for so many people. I think particularly younger people because they feel like you're going into it with this negative attitude, but you have a different take on all of it. So talk to us a little about that. Um, well, it, it it comes out of all of the clients that I've had that are divorcing that wished that they had some kind of protection. Um, Post-separation abuse is real. And so the goal is to make people understand that we can stop some of that um, before we decide to, to get the divorce, before it gets into the document. But um, knowing that you don't know how your relationship is going to end or or if it will ever end that fairy tale thing we don't go into a marriage going hey let me plan for the inevitable it does feel creepy and it does feel unnatural but ultimately i think people have to realize that if we do not think these things through before we get married that we're just going to get married and then end up you know in in a puddle of of doom trying to figure our way out of it. So, you know, as much as we can pre-do or at least in a divorcing situation, um, put some protections in just in case they don't do what they are ordered to do. So well, how do you, give us, give us a real life example. Like, so, so I went to court and this is how this was birthed for my book, Divorcing Your Narcissist. I went to a, um, a trial for a contempt of court with a client and, um, it was about $20,000 in two years since he had not paid in the divorce decree. It said, pay, sell a couple of rental properties, give her 300,000. That was reasonable. Um, but it had been two years. So she had spent about $20,000 getting to that day of court where I was sitting with her. And so, um, when her lawyer got up and they had won, the, the judge was like, pay her in 30 days, you're going to jail. So it was, it was quite serious. So at that point, her lawyer stood up with her big binders of work that they had done to get there and said, but judge, why should she be paying $20,000 when you ordered him to do this two years ago? 
And the judge literally put her hands together and said, I wish I could give you legal fees, but it wasn't in the first decree. And I went, you can do that. And I'm poking the lawyer. I'm like, we're talking about this afterwards. I want to know what we can do to prevent this. What was that lawyer, What was that judge talking about? And basically it's protection that if they don't comply with whatever gets into the decree, then they pay your legal fees because, you know, I deal with narcissists. So, you know, they will always look for the way out. They will always look for a way to, to, you know, take advantage of you. And so if, they can take you back to court and delay it for two years, cost you another $20,000, no skin off their back. They didn't care. So right. there's thousands of these examples, whether it's co-parenting, whether it is, you know, paying the money, giving out the retirement money you were ordered to give, whatever it was, those are the things that we want to stop them from having free, you know, financial gain by having a clause in the, in the contract like this. So, so that clause, so you're thinking about getting a divorce. You go to your lawyer, you say, this is what I'm going through. So at that point is when you need to have this conversation that anything that goes through now in front of the judge needs to have this clause in it because like my ex filed a ton of motions and I saw every expert. He actually made me hire more experts than we had motions. So that was, was also totally screwed me. Um, but I guess like from your first moment of retaining your lawyer, right. When you first go and you file your complaint, like or when even, does this come into play? Or even to think about if you decide that you're going to have a prenup to be thinking outside the box and beyond the sort of standard boilerplate template of how much you'll get per year or however prenups are decided based on income or how many years of marriage, even at that point to say, if if we, cause you're already writing a prenup to say, if we get divorced. So maybe it's in that also, if we get divorced and then this. Yeah. Well, again, we're talking about two different situations. One situation is we're getting married, we're happily, blissfully in love, and we're picking out napkin colors. That's a different place than, oh my God, what will happen to me? Where's my life going to be? Where will I live? How will I take care of the kids? Right. What's going on? Right. We're we're totally talking about two separate things. If we could get something like this into a prenup, it's a beautiful thing. But because you and I are, are all talking about divorce. Um, it is it is to put into the decree, like the story that I gave you, that, you know, he was ordered to pay her the money and just simply didn't. Right. But court case, court case, filings, all of those motions right. cost you money. So it is in that that th this has the most power for it. And it isn't something um, that a lawyer actually knows the name. What if they don't clause? Um, I did have that lawyer. I paid her to write me said clause um, and, and donate it up to the book so that people will know what they can do because it goes in very stealthily, right? It's not like glaring to the narcissist oh you're gonna pay my legal fees if this happens right it doesn't it looks very very neutral mild yeah because I think that in mine was um you know any motions or legal action unreasonable is the word that they used I believe unreasonable you know, terms in court, motions, hiring experts that is just totally out of whack without the goal of resolving this. 
then he would pay those fees. But who decide what's reasonable? Who decides? That's right. That's what I'm right. saying. Like in my case, it was what was reasonable. And then the judge would would determine what's reasonable or not. Here, the way Tracy's doing it, it's like, it's there, but it's not there. And it's like, you know, petting the animal very softly. <laughs> like, we're just going to agree to this. Okay. Instead of saying, you know, unreasonable terms, you're going right. to pay. Right. Yeah, that's that. It's it's a very different tone that uh, what you're suggesting offers than what what I did, and I'm pretty sure he didn't pay. Yeah, and and again, it is it, it's all part of of the process to get them to do what what you need them to do, right? What you're talking about is the gray areas of a divorce decree. The the you know reasonable word is the gray areas. I have a whole chapter on the gray areas of a divorce decree, specifically with narcissists, right? Because mm -hmm. you see black and white. Well, it says if this is unreasonable, I think it's unreasonable. But where's the line? Who gets to decide is really the right. question. The, the gray areas are what we want to cover, but this goes in, in, in a place, you know, that line that both parties are responsible for their legal fees, blah, blah, blah. Normal kind of language comes right. out of every lawyer's mouth. But in the event that either party should not comply with what has been ordered in the rest of this document, right. they be responsible for the legal fees of the other party should they have to pursue legal action, right? So if you think about that, that is all the protection you need. You're not going to have, you know, financial abuse. You're not going to have legal abuse. All of it, well, they're not going to want to pay both legal fees. The game for them is to take away your money. The game for them is to watch you struggle as you write a $20,000 check to a lawyer but for something that made no sense. You could take it even a step further to say that if either party doesn't comply, then you're paying the legal fees. But if it has to do with money that was already owed, for example, that 300,000, that also you'd have to pay interest accrued at whatever percent. Right, it's negligence. Right? You can keep, you can add onto that clause to make it so that you really are not out of pocket at all. It's really just a question of in the end, like to what extent will some people actually take it with, you know, and not comply. And it is shocking to hear of stories of like how certain people will really go to the mat to not comply, mm -hmm. despite whatever threats are being made to them by judges. Because nothing ultimately court. happens. Right. And the truth is, if it's a man or a woman or whatever, and they go to jail, that doesn't help you because now they're not making any money. Now you're not getting any money. No, but if they are like a respected professional, they're not going to want to go to jail. And there does come a point where like they won't want it. I forget what the term is, but, you know, pulled out of their paycheck so that their company has to know. Garnishing their wages. Right, garnishing their wages because they're Group delinquent. Probation in yeah. their divorce debt or whatever. Like right. there, there's an element of embarrassment to some extent where you would imagine that there comes a point which anyone, including a narcissist would be like, even for me, that's a little mm. bit much. I should have done that, to be honest. Yeah. And I don't think he would have cared because no one would have known except the accountant pulling out the money. Right, exactly. But, um, so let's talk about post-separation abuse and what can we do to prevent it? Well, the, the most I see 
is obviously a clause like the what if they don't clause. So you're protecting yourself legally and financially, right? But that's to the things that they're ordered to do, right? Um, Post-separation abuse is also neglectful parenting. It is counter-parenting. It is harassment. It is just if you say our kid needs braces, they say they don't. That's the gray area, right? That's the, right. I'm sorry, you got joint legal custody. I'm going to say no to anything you want because it's for you. It doesn't matter that your kid's teeth are, you know, straight out to the floor. <laughs> it, it matters to them that they're, you don't get what you want. And so the more that you can put in, again, if you've got children, a, a parenting plan that is rock solid, no gray areas, stops post-separation of abuse, right? If you think about it, if we know what's going to happen when our kid needs braces, if our kid should need braces, this is what we're going to do. If you put as much of those details into it, post-separation abuse can't really happen because you've covered yourself financially and legally, and then you're covering every situation. So when, when the kid needs braces, we've got a plan for that. When the kid wants to go to international soccer camp, we've got a plan for that. We've got a budget for that. We, we know what the rules are and that stops it. It's, it's when you are dealing with a, a person like a narcissist that is going to say no, no, no to anything that you're asking for that it makes it really hard because you're sitting there and your lawyers are writing the motion. Well, we want to make sure braces is covered or whatever the other things that might come up and people just get defeated from the nose. I'm not going to do that. No, no, no. And they just go, okay, fine. I'll surrender. I'll give it, I'll give it back. Just take me out of my misery. Right. And they give up on the most important thing, which is the parenting plan. And, and if you think about how much we each spent on our freaking wedding dresses or the effort that we put into like picking out the ring or the color of the, the, the napkins and, and the wine that we drank for that three hours of a celebration. If we put that much effort into planning the next 18 years of our children's life beforehand, then you are going to have a post-separation situation where there are no gray areas. We know the rules, period, right? And even though a narcissist or a normal person is going to fight back on these things, that's what, you know, negotiating is. You put a whole bunch of other things on there, but you really want this nut. And then you give back those things and you sit there and you go like this. Also by creating a really ironclad parenting plan, if you think about it, um, you are going to be in, in a place where, um, you know, there's nothing left to to argue about. And that stops the abuse because it's the unknown factors. And if we just keep surrendering, if you think about putting in this whole parenting plan the way you want it, and they've mm -hmm. rejected everything, and you bring that into the courtroom because they haven't given a single thing other than they want 90% of the custody and 90% of the money, right? Other than that, they haven't really put who's going to pick the camps, the this, the that. They haven't thought about that stuff. So if your parenting plan presents with really good direction, a judge bases his decisions off of that versus nothing. If you come in there both sides with nothing and you're like, okay, judge, tell us our parenting plan, that's all they're going to do. They're not going to think about the what ifs and that's what you need to do. Are you new to online dating or considering it for the first time since your separation or divorce? If it feels overwhelming or daunting, you're not alone. Alyssa Deneen was in the same position as you after her divorce and after her own trial and error on the apps, started Style My Profile, 
to share what really worked with others in the same boat. She makes it easy for you to get back out there with your best foot forward. Her most popular offering by far is Profile in a Day, which you can find on her website at www.stylemyprofilenyc.com. Alyssa takes a day to style you and your profile. She and her team will revamp your look, write you all new bios that are eye-catching and actually sound like you, and get you high-quality photos in that specific expert-approved dating app style. Her clients say time and time again that their new photos and profile are the reason why they met their new partner. Go to www.stylemyprofilenyc.com or follow Alyssa on Instagram at Alyssa Deneen. If you're enjoying our Divorce Etc. podcast, be sure and subscribe to our newsletter to get ex-experts in your inbox. It's free and includes tips from real-life experts who've been through it telling you what they wish they knew. You'll also hear about our upcoming episodes and Q&As with our experts. Plus, you'll find out about our upcoming events before anyone else and get access to discounts and preferred pricing. You can sign up at www.exexperts.com. Honestly, Jessica and I really helped one another with the future planning because Jessica's kids were four and two and I had three kids under eight and my lawyer was talking about college and my kids were going to sleep away camp and I knew other friends whose kids were going on teen tours and getting a car. So mm-hmm. I was telling Jessica, I'm like, you need to talk about these things Right. You know, in, in negotiating your divorce, because I know your kids are only two and four, but who is paying for college for those kids? Right. And like, that I never would have considered them at that to age. fly home on Christmas break. Right. And then they're in the house. And what happens to child support when they go to college? Right. So actually, I want to come back to that, but we're going to take a quick break here because we know it's hard to get honest and reliable information about your divorce. So we've done the work for you. Be sure to subscribe to our newsletter to get ex-experts in your inbox. Join our virtual open house events where you can ask questions to top experts live and sign up for private sessions with us so we can help you move on. You can sign up and get all of this information at exexperts.com, E-X-E-X-P-E-R-T-S.com. We've lived it, so we get it. So now back to our show. I, I definitely spent a lot of time on our parenting agreement. And I was married to a narcissist and the best thing that whatever, you know, you're, you're so under the mud and suffocating. You don't even know what's good anymore, but, um, there was a change in his employment all of the sudden. Right. And a change in his income all of a sudden. And uh, I know him, he, he's not living himself on that salary. Forget about me and three kids. Like that's not the kind of life he wants to live. So I knew it was bullshit. Um, so anyway, the way that we negotiated in the end, cause he was going to have a big lump sum of money coming in, in a few years when they were selling the company he moved over to. Um, I said, well, I I'm entitled to that. And the argument was, no, you're not, we're not together anymore. I said, then put it all in the kid's name. I don't want any of it. It's all for the kids. That money has paid for three kids in college. There's money for postgraduate school. There's money for living in New York City. And because, and it took, by the way, four years for my divorce. So this was probably year three by the time we got to me being strong enough to recognize, holy crap, 
Like this is, this is not good what's going on here. And more importantly, to figure out how to get it in a way that will work for him and indirectly give it to the kids. And I'm so glad that it worked out that way because it would have been very stressful, but we did consider college. We did negotiate some things for child support to go down, but got it, got to tell you guys, they're more expensive in college. Yeah, right. Exactly. And they are living at home. So be mm-hmm. careful negotiating your child support. 18 years old, they're not adults, okay? They're not adults till they can pay for a roof over their head right. and la-di-da. As far as I'm concerned, that's like 30 years old, okay? Well, but child support's not going to 30. But it sounds, Tracy, to some extent, like your book really maybe offers almost like a checklist of things for people to be thinking to about when it comes to their parenting agreements. And it- it's always surprised me over the years when we talk to people, like I, I, I know TH says we helped each other, but really she was helping me because she was a few years older, her kids were a few years older. So she was thinking about things down the line that I were not even like in the realm or scope of what I was thinking. But over the years, as we've spoken to people and it's like, oh yeah, their lawyers aren't suggesting to them, well, what about if your kids need braces? And what's gonna, if you're Jewish, bar and bat mitzvahs or confirmation, or when they go to college, it's all just about the room and board. But if you are if you live on the East Coast and your kid goes to school in California, who is paying for those round trip plane tickets X number of times a year to get them home? Those were all things that TH guided me on. And it almost sounds like now people can get that right from you, from your book. Um, actually, it's not in the book because it's all about divorce, um, but I do have a parenting plan course I've been working on for about a year and a half that's almost done, and that's got hundreds of worksheets and so much material behind it. And we talked about the college, and you talked about the the expensive things that happen, right? Um, I put in there, starting at that, that college module that I'm doing, it's not about the tuition and the, the room and board, right? When my son went to Washington, D.C., he had a $4,000 a month rent to be off right. campus. And Food. I was like, what Food am I going to it was, it was, and that's not covered by some of the loans or some of the, the, the college savings we had. So it's about who's going to take them on college visits. Every single detail that you can nail down prior and go, okay, well, we've got a budget, you know, or you're going to take them to these or, well, I'll, I'll, I'll let, you know, we can sign up for this many applications or here's our budget to it, right? Just think about those things and the more details you can get, all of those things stop post separation abuse because you've got the answer so whether it's something that you're talking about the financial protection and the legal protection with the do not um you know what if they don't clause or whether you start to build in and think about your children's future as we have discussed today i feel like also just the idea of post-separation abuse like we've talked about so many kinds of abuse that people can go through when they're married and when they're going through divorce. And I feel like that's a term that's not really brought up a lot and not really discussed a lot. We talk about financial abuse and emotional abuse and things like that. But but the actual phrase of post-separation abuse, I think is, if not new, it's new-ish to us. And I think a lot of people that are listening because it's really, it's everything encompassed, combined all into kind of one thing. Yeah. It's the gift that keeps on giving, guys. <laughs> we have all had it. You know, I can't even tell you how many clients I have that 
have been divorced already, but either those checks they were supposed to get aren't coming or they aren't being good parents or they are not caring about what the children's needs are. You know, it's all of those types of things that if we define it and spend again as much time as we did picking out our stupid dresses that what'd you do with yours? I did I, love my dress, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> my dress too. And I gave it to Goodwill and and like took a picture of it going into a dumpster at you know, X many right. thousands of dollars. But, you know, that was that was the fairy tale. This is our future. And, you know, we have to spend as much effort as we did if we're going through a divorce on figuring out these details. Because if we don't, you're going to hit a point where, oh my God, our kids need braces. What do you think? No, I'm not paying. Our kids need glasses. I'm not paying. It wasn't in there. It doesn't say I have to pay that. I only have to give you $300 a month. That's all. You, you make it work all of those stupid things that they're going to complain about, it, there's a plan for it, right? Kids don't just like stay at five years old. As right. you said, they just keep the needs grow. You know, peewee soccer is not the same cost as travel soccer and right. traveling and putting your kid in a hotel every other weekend, right? Those things need to be considered because that's what a child's life is. And lawyers, honestly, by the time they've gotten to the point of deciding and working on a parenting plan, they just want to do the, the the parenting schedule and maybe one or two clauses. They just don't have the interest in doing it. And so with my system, it's going to be something nobody's ever really seen. <laughs> this, the, 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 the worksheets are about that high. It fills a six inch binder at this point because we have to think about it. My education module, I was like, okay, it started out at say, I don't know, six pages in Word, and it ended up being 13 different modules. Because oh if you're in school, it's not the same. If you're right. homeschooling, it's not the same. You know, if, if you're in military school, it's not the same. People have to still have rules for what you plan on doing. What do we decide if our kid wants to go to military school? We never talked about that. What's, right. What do we now? Like, think about the future and, and build your life on that because that's how you protect yourself by getting it into that decree. Like that judge said, if it was only in the first decree, I'd love to give you back your money, right? Think about right. that, get it in there so that you are not like my client sitting there going, but I paid 20,000. Right. Also, I want everyone to know, I mean, the three of us are quite a ways away from, from that, but um, from the divorce process, but you know, you really need to have everything set up. And this type of safety net that Tracy's created is so important because then your team is gone. I mean, for me, right. one of the great days was you're divorced. I'm like, holla fucking yeah. Now what? I can't right. call my lawyer anymore. Where's my accountant? Where's this person? Where's that person? So Tracy's like really set up a plan and, and like I said, a safety net to hold you because there are always going to be surprises after your divorce. My, my ex called me six months later saying, we can work this out. You know, this'll be great. You know, just give me one more chance. By the way, he was engaged to somebody before I knew for sure. And then he reproposed to her and then called me asking to get back together with him. And I was like, are you, are you freaking kidding right now? And they're right. You can't make this shit up. We need those buttons. And, and also, you know, you're talking about post-separation abuse. You will see things differently as you start to work on yourself. So Tracy has helped you cover as, you know, remove as much of the surprise element 
as as a person can, because we know everybody's situation is unique. You have to think about your own life, what you do, how you do it, all of that. But um, I still collect child support and my ex-husband will not send it until I send him a reminder that he's late on child support for years. Yeah, it's- And he knows I'm not going back to court for it. Mm-hmm. And he waits. And that's still, that's still the same shit because I want the money, mm-hmm. but he will not send it. I think he sent it once. And I was like, oh my God, he sent it. I didn't have to remind him. And, and it's really freaking annoying. Mm-hmm. But it, like at a certain point where I am now, I've got like two more years of this and it's shitty, but it's not going to change. I'm not going to court. So like I said, remove the surprise, cover as much as you can. It doesn't all go away. Me reminding him seems like a trivial thing, but it's a total power play on his part still mm-hmm. over my life. He's moved on and has a five-year-old. Like, what are you doing with me? But yeah. this is this is the problem. So make it so it's only that one reminder that that doesn't hurt as much as the other stuff. Right. But if you've got someone that is, it is, that is sort of been abusive. I mean, you see how they are in the relationship or in the divorce, right? If, if you don't even want to put the word narc on there, that's fine. Right. If they're just not being cooperative, then we can anticipate that they will do exactly what he's doing with the child support to you. And so we ask for the family court system to allocate the money so it is a thing that my right, right. so I could have I could have certainly done that could have right. done that and then he would be you would if if it's a deadbeat dad he's just not paying what he should yours is paying he just wants he's to remind paid her. he just wants me to remind him right he wants to just be a, a little like mosquito a dig. he's just yeah, like it's right going dig. dig yeah absolutely but if if it had gone through the family court system and he didn't pay then he would be jailed his money right. would varnished his taxes would be claimed no matter what happens it is a place of power empowerment to go this might happen i better ask for that thing why not it costs you nothing right right family court system so know who thy enemy is and Mm -hmm. what they're capable of doing so that you can anticipate post-divorce kind of stuff like you're talking about and take care of that so that it doesn't happen yeah yeah i mean this is a an ongoing conversation because First of all, particularly when your course comes out, I mean, the idea of there being something that exists out there for people to like reference, to know that they're covering everything in their parenting agreement to be protected, you know, for the future for years out is totally crucial. Um, So thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of this with us. And for everyone listening, if you got as much out of this episode of the Divorce Etc. podcast with the ex-experts as we did today, then can you help us out? When you subscribe, rate, and review our Divorce Etc. podcast, it helps us get the word out so we can support more people like you going through divorce and beyond. Check the show notes for more info on Tracy Malone and her book and her upcoming course. And of course, share this with anyone you know who can benefit from listening. Have a great day.